Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Bossing It, the weekly podcast for women in business brought to you by entrepreneurs Frankie Cotton and Lara Sheldrake. This week we discuss the four steps to social media success. So we talk about cross-platform execution, the Instagram algorithm and we talk all about hashtags. We hope you enjoy. social media for your business is actually probably a lot more difficult than it sounds. It's really easy to get caught up in the sort of social media rabbit holes and the just sheer amount of time and energy that you can put into it where actually if you spend too much time on social media it can be really detrimental to your business. That said, of course, social media is a great way of growing your community, of advertising your products and your services and generally growing your business. So it's one of those things where you have to be on it and you have to use it well, but you can't allow it to sort of take over and become everything and and all that you're doing. So today we thought we would check in with a bit of a structure really, a sort of social media blueprint for how you can optimise your time to make sure that you're getting what you need from social media without it essentially taking over your business. Yeah, exactly. So last week we kind of covered the basics, didn't we, on how to sort of get the most out of your Instagram platform. And I guess this week we wanted to have a look at a wider kind of scope of how to manage your social media content and as Frankie says basically not become a slave to it how you can how you can schedule it and manage it so that it really does work for you and benefit you in your business absolutely so the first thing really is to prepare your content in bulk and not to do it on the fly so as with any activity the setup costs are quite high you know the time that it takes for you to to sit down to log on to all of your profiles or maybe onto your sort of scheduling platform for example to really get in the right frame of mind where you're thinking about social media and what you want to achieve what your goals are and everything else those setup costs are really high so if you're doing it on the fly if you're doing posts and and sort of stories as you go or sort of tweets here and there and LinkedIn updates you're going to put yourself under such unnecessary pressure and you're also going to take up a hell of a lot of time in doing that on a sort of daily or or often maybe two, three, four times a day. So you're much better preparing your content in bulk. So what I would recommend is probably to do, I would say a week's worth of content is probably about right to schedule in because anything more than that and you may find that you have to spend a lot of time sort of tweaking things, especially if, you know, there are cultural things going on or, or whatnot. If you're planning a longer term campaign, it absolutely makes sense to go beyond a week. But certainly with just the normal sort of day to day activity, a week is about the right length of time. That said, it's a really good idea to have like a rough to have a rough plan or outline for the month ahead. So even if you haven't actually written out all of the tweets, for example, all of your Instagram posts to know upcoming dates in the diary that are relevant to your business and to kind of think on a monthly basis at least you'll know sort of how the flow of that month and the following weeks are, are going to come. Exactly. There's quite a lot um, available to you online, isn't there, in terms of content calendars and noteworthy dates that you can just put in your diary so that you're remembering things like International Women's Day, for example. Yeah, exactly, which was a big one for us. That was a big um, one for us yeah. a few weeks ago. Which actually really leads me on to the second point, which is around scheduling. 
So investigate the right tools that could work for you. So there are tools like Buffer or Sprout Social, which are really great to schedule um, your content. So once you've prepared it in bulk, you can put it into the system and you know that on a specific day, a specific time, the content is going to go out while you're asleep, (laughs) whilst you're writing emails or on phone calls or doing whatever it is you need to do for your business. So it's really important to make sure that you invest in a scheduling tool because they are really inexpensive these days. It depends on your budget and it depends on your needs and there's a whole scale of course as with anything but generally there are a whole load of sort of starter packages out there with loads of these tools. I mean, we use Buffer for the, for the most part, um, which is particularly good for something like Twitter. Mm. So you can make sure, you know, you have tweets going out every couple of hours, really, and you don't have to think about it. It's just going to be going on, you know, like I said, while you sleep. Facebook, actually, you can schedule content in at different times throughout the day automatically via their platform. That's clever. I didn't yeah, know you so could do through, that. So through your business page, you can set up a draft and then schedule it to go out at certain times. So depending on which platform you're using and, and your budget, that's probably a good thing to know. That's really good to know. I didn't realise that. Yeah, no, I, I don't usually do much of the Facebook stuff. As you can tell, Lara is the Facebook expert <laughs> I don't in, know this, about that, in this partnership. <laughs> um, yeah, so absolutely make sure you've got a scheduling tool that works for you. Then the third thing is really around engagement and community management. So this is the part that is not only crucial, but can also really take up a lot of time if you don't manage it properly. So essentially, you need to manage your community and engage with them on a daily basis. You need to make sure that if people are sending you messages or commenting, say, on your Instagram posts, that you're replying to them. Because if you don't, and if you don't go on on a daily basis then people aren't going to feel like it's a sort of two-way relationship, Mm. right? Um, You don't want to leave somebody hanging if they're asking questions, maybe about your products or about how they can get involved with something. So, you know, you kind of need to treat it a bit like a sort of inbox zero uh, task. So you want to manage all of your community, make sure you get back to everyone as best you can. Now, what time of day would you say is best for that? Would you say evening time? I think it depends on your audience. Um, If you run a business whereby you're offering services for other business owners, then really you want to be doing it in the morning or during lunch times, maybe. Um, If you're uh, a a kids wear product uh, or business, then you probably want to be posting in the evenings when mums tend to be online. I think it really depends on your audience. But um, as a rule of thumb, there are specific days that are more popular for social media platforms than others. So according to Sprout Social, they um, pulled a report together based on all the data and insights they collected um, in 2018. This is a platform that I actually used when I was a social media consultant. It's a fantastic platform that basically offers solutions, uh, scheduling, monitoring, uh, analytics and they also have a great uh, kind of resources hub so this report came out earlier this year LinkedIn sort of global engagement the most popular times are normally between Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday and predominantly Wednesday afternoons from about three to six so Twitter Twitter's global engagement Thursdays Fridays and Saturdays are the most popular times to post for Twitter I guess that's towards the end of the week people perhaps have a little bit more time to be on social media or care less about their jobs maybe (laughs) maybe they've just heard enough enough of the week's news by that point exactly let it rip so so friday mornings 8 9 10 11 so instagram tuesday wednesday thursday friday thursday and friday mornings and then thursday afternoon so again towards the end of the week 
See, that surprises me because I would have thought weekends. Instagram, yeah, weekends. But then I guess a lot of people take the weekends off offline. Yeah, yeah. And also, I would have thought that the evenings would have been quite busy. But according to this, it's more the mornings and yeah, then then around like Wednesday, Thursday afternoon. It really does depend where you are in the world, what you're interested in. So these mm. are kind of just overall statistics of activity on these platforms. Yeah, I guess the trick is to whichever platform you're on to look at the at your own followers and how mm. they're engaging at different times. So actually to to think, all right, so for you and for your business and for your platform, when are, you, when are your followers most active and most online? And then use that part of the day to do your, say, 30 minutes of engagement and community management then. Yeah, I think that's that's really good advice. So, I mean, the last platform here is Facebook and Monday to Fridays are the most popular on that platform. Again, this is this is general engagement, right? And as you as you've just said, you've got you've got these insights capabilities on Facebook and Instagram and I think also on Twitter like basic ones to see when people are engaging with your content um and if you're on Instagram and Facebook insights and you've got a company page they actually tell you the demographics where in the world they are um age groups gender so there's a huge amount of insights you can get from these platforms and as you say then just tailor it to suit the times that your audience are going to be online. And it's good to also use this time, your engagement and community management time, to grow your community by discovering people. So not just replying um, to people who are contacting you, but also for you to go and seek content creators, um, like-minded people, partnerships. So for people who maybe serve the same community that you do, but actually don't have a competing product, they maybe have a complementary product, seek out those brands on on the different social media channels and engage with them. And, and actually, it's important to remember that, as we said last week, social media is about being social. So yeah. you have to go out of your way to build relationships. You can't just expect them all to come to you. So I would say, I mean, it's difficult to, it's difficult to determine exactly how long this task in the day should take because it it does depend on how how much responding you need to do mm. and of course the bigger you're following um on any platform the greater that's going to be and the higher your engagement becomes the longer that's going to take but ultimately i think if you leave say 30 minutes to an hour and even if you know if it doesn't work for you to do it in the morning or when your followers online it's not too bad if you maybe just do it after dinner of an evening you just spend 30 minutes replying to all of your messages replying to all of your comments and then doing a bit of discovery finding people following new content that's probably quite a good way to make sure that it certainly doesn't infiltrate you know your your day-to-day business life too much exactly i think that's really good advice and something um i think it's really interesting about what you said is when you're looking at competitors and companies and brands who do similar things but perhaps don't sell a competing product following these types of um, accounts are actually really helpful when considering the algorithm and how it works it basically studies your activity and the different types of people you follow and engage with, interact with, and then looks at the types of people that follow you. And then boosts your, um, I guess, your online presence in those areas. So if your industry is well-being and you're following lots of uh, food, health, you know, well-being accounts then this is really going to work in your favour in kind of um, strengthening your online presence within that sort of industry and category. 
a lot of people at the moment are talking about algorithm and the fact that they've noticed that their engagement has dropped, their followers haven't increased at a rate that they were at one point, um, and they're really confused about this. And I think because the algorithm is unfortunately constantly being improved, you know, they're 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 tailoring it so they can be really precise about the different kind types of accounts they put in front of their users. So if you're if you're following friends and families and you're a business account but you start liking things that are completely unrelated to your business or the industry, the algorithm gets confused. So what happens is you then don't really have like this strength of presence in a certain area because you're kind of dabbling within different industries mm. and therefore you're kind of dropped down not necessarily the pecking order but the discovery um, timeline. So that's something to really take into consideration. Yes, it's really good to engage with people and support people online and community management is key, but but make sure if you're following people, it really is relevant to your business and the industry you're in. Yeah, that's really good advice. And then finally, analysis and evaluation. So this is a really key part of making sure your social media strategy is delivering, but it's not something that you want to be looking at every day or, or probably even every week probably once a month is enough really to look at your analytics and to think okay well what are my goals here like what what am I using this channel for is it purely for brand awareness is it because I want to increase loyalty and engagement is it because I want to drive drive traffic to my website if so does your google analytics tie up with the analytics that you're getting from your social media platforms you know is that getting the result that you're looking for But ultimately, don't spend any time looking at your analytics if you're actually not going to do anything about it. Mm. Um, If you take zero action away from that task, then it's pointless because, yes, you might might be able to say, oh, that's interesting. But ultimately, it should be informing then the next plan and the next sort of bulk content that you're creating because you should have more intelligence that it can then be acted upon. So... Yeah, definitely do your analysis and evaluation. Don't do it too frequently because also if you do it too often, you're not getting a good data spread. Mm -hmm. So you can't, you don't see trends if you look at the data too often because you're looking too granular and it could be just something really random that has made something perhaps more popular or less popular. So I think you really do need to need to give it a break and look at it perhaps once a month. I also think deciding on the metrics that you want to measure is is really important. So perhaps even before looking at analytics, what is it you want to find out and what's important to your business objectives? So as you said, if it is to sell something or drive, you know, uh, web traffic, then make sure you're looking at those metrics and then working out a way of how you can improve them. And different platforms will be good for different things. You know, web traffic, for example... Twitter is a great place to increase web traffic. If you've got a blog and you can post links to your blog, you know, you can get out loads of tweets in a day. It's not spammy. And there's a, it's really easy for people to follow a URL. Whereas on Instagram, unless you've got 10,000 followers plus, you can't do a swipe up to, to, to follow the link. So you only have that one URL, which is in your bio. So you need to also think actually each platform may have a slightly different objective for you in terms of what you want to achieve. And that's fine, but don't try and don't judge every platform that you're using, I guess, by the same metric or by the same goal. It's make, make sure you have that that's tailored. So true. I mean, on that point, can we just talk about Facebook for a minute? Of course. Although I do hate Facebook. Yeah, I think everyone does. And I know we talked a little bit about it last week as being that platform that like long lost relatives and old people are on. But I think 
quite a lot of people who run business pages get really um, feel a little bit deflated when they look at the engagement. I know I can and, and have done in the past. When you look at, you know, you've, you put these posts up and you share blog posts or, you know, insights and information that you have on your website or, you know, an update that you want people to know about. And it's not even the actual engagement of likes and comments, but the, the people who have viewed it um, or seen it. And I think Facebook recently has changed their algorithm. So as a business page, you actually have to pay to boost your um, updates and your posts for people to even see them. And I think it's really important for people to be aware of this. I think having an online presence on Facebook is key because it's one of the pages that if someone looks at your website, hopefully they can click through and see that there's stuff going on there. You've got some activity um, and it is good to, to have a presence on different platforms. But I think it's also noteworthy that if your engagement isn't great, don't worry, you're not alone. There are so many other people out there who are struggling with engagement. And unfortunately, they've kind of set it up in a way now where unless you pay for it, you're not going to reach your audience. Mm. So don't be disheartened. Schedule stuff in to go out on Facebook. That's what we do. And, and we get people you know, messaging us directly and they, they do click through to our events um, pages through that. So it's a really good way of getting the word out there on what you're doing. But... I think unless you have a budget to boost and sponsor your posts, just just don't take it too seriously because it can be quite easy, I think, to sort of look at, you know, engagement rates and go, why is no one looking at what I'm doing? And I think that goes back to, as you say, you know, looking at the different platforms and understanding how they work. It's great for community. It's great for building a community. And it's really good if you're a business and you run a business and perhaps you're starting up, you're looking to scale out. It's great for joining groups and being a part of a wider community where you can share your business ideas or your products, your services, and you can actually promote within these groups. That's been really key for us, um, especially for female founders or mums in business. You can join associations and groups, and it's amazing for Yeah, groups business. are really effective, aren't they? Facebook, they really yeah. are. Um, but again, yeah, just, just for anyone out there who's, you know, hitting their heads against the wall when it comes to Facebook, I think... You've just got to accept that unless you have a budget to boost and sponsor your posts, that you should just use it as another platform on which you're exercising your, your branding, but perhaps focus on other areas if you're really looking for high engagement. So yeah, so there you have it really. That's the sort of four, I guess the four categories with which to split your time. So prepare your content in bulk, don't do it on the fly. Make sure you use a scheduling platform. Make time every day for engagement and community management. And then finally, don't scrimp on your analysis and evaluation. Make sure you're checking in. Make sure you're looking at your goals and how the platforms are delivering against those. So I guess we have some more questions this week around social media. Yes. So um, I've got one from Jelena here. My question is how to be visible for locals so that people around within my area follow, like and comment regularly. Is this specific to one platform? They haven't specified. Okay. I think hashtags is obviously an obvious go-to search kind of feature because by hashtagging, let's say London, or let's say you run events and it's London events, hashtag London events, um, and obviously on platforms like Facebook and Instagram, you can tag locations. I think, can you do that on uh, Twitter as well? Yeah, you can. You can you show can. your location. Yeah, you can choose. For the majority of platforms, there's, there's a feature where you can add in a location 
and obviously hashtag which which helps people discover you in certain areas and I guess if you're if you're talking about things like Facebook and Instagram you've got the stories both on Instagram and Facebook where you can tag locations when people are looking for something within your area again you come up in that discovery section within that location yeah so there's quite a few ways I think you can you can focus on specific geo-targeted areas yeah, definitely. And I think also when we come back to looking at, you know, growth of the community and engaging with your communities, for you also to search out those hashtags and those locations and engage mm. with people, content creators who are in those places. So for example, I live in Bermondsey. Um, if I'm serving local people in Bermondsey, I could search for hashtag Bermondsey, find people who live locally or you know, other businesses or even just sort of anybody really and just start to sort of engage with them, look at their profile. Okay, do I like that? Yeah, great. And maybe comment and say, oh, this is great and start to build relationships online that way as well. So not just how can people find you, but how can you use geotargeting to find others and start to build relationships? Exactly. And I know we touched on it earlier, but Facebook groups are amazing for this because they have specific groups within, let's say, business for Sussex, for example, and some are even more specific, Sussex mums, Sussex working dads, you know, just as an example. You can join these groups and you can talk about your business. You can you can actually start asking people, what is it you're looking for? What what problems can I help solve? You know, really start engaging and listening to the feedback. So just to follow on on your point, I think groups is um is a really kind of underutilized tool for a lot of people. And what do you think about having the location like in the name or the handle of your social media? Because I mean, I guess it works. I guess it's useful for people to be able to easily identify. So say, um, I don't know, say you're a nail salon in Bermondsey, for example, you could have like Bermondsey in the name, if you see what I mean. Yeah. But then you don't necessarily want it in your handle because if you were to grow and expand, then that's not good. I think that's the risk, isn't it? Because if you want to scale out, you then need to change everything. What I would do is um, you can have, on Instagram, for example, you have your handle then you have your name and then you have your bio so when when for example someone follows you it says handle followed you so let's say found flourish but then underneath it will say found and flourish so you can edit that name to say found and flourish ldn or london as an example yeah so i think the more the more sections within your profile facebook twitter instagram linkedin the more the more sections you can kind of specify your location if that's relevant to your business then the better but i think keep your keep your handle as simple as yeah. possible so best advice is keep your handle not location specific mm-hmm. any other of the editable details options yeah exactly put the location in there but keep your handle non-specific in case you grow and scale exactly great so the next one best times to post um and should you always use the same hashtags how many posts a day are optimal and why did i have over 100 followers which then dropped to about 980 um where i've been stuck on for months so there are so many questions here and i think we actually covered quite a bit in this episode best times to post it really is um, dependent on your audience we obviously touched on the sort of generic times of the days and the weeks um, but I think it goes back to testing it goes back to trialing certain things seeing when your audience engages when it doesn't why did it not was it the content was it the time of day you know and give yourself a couple of months just to try a few things out and start listening to 
your audience and, and what's working and what isn't. And then from there, you can tailor your strategy accordingly. When people notice that the their follower growth kind of plateaus or, or in some cases decreases, this can again be down to a number of reasons. This can be perhaps you've um, not been posting as regularly, perhaps your content's changed. Um, at the moment, Instagram are basically going through a little bit of a cull when it comes to bots and whether or not you've selected to uh, pay for likes or followers or use platforms to increase your following, quite a lot of bots automatically follow accounts. And at the moment, Instagram have gone through quite a, a significant cull of bots. So a lot of people have actually found that their following has decreased. But what you'll then find is that your engagement will start organically increasing again as your followers increase and there'll be genuine, authentic people that you want to you want to engage with. I also think if you're experiencing a plateau, it's good to focus on giving the community what you want. Mm. So rather than thinking like, why am I not getting more likes or more engagement? Think, how can I give more likes and give more engagement? Because sometimes I think if you flip it round for a while, that can make a really good, it can just be a way to kind of maybe get you out of a mindset, to refresh things, start to find new people and actually just give a bit Back, back to the universe yeah. of what you, what you want and actually you'll be surprised at how much probably you then do get back but if you just change your objective and think actually I'm going to flip this around so what do I want I want engagement I want people to respond to what I'm saying is every time you go online focus on replying to everybody anything you like anything that you find useful and I think that can be a good way sometimes to just get you out of a mindset and and spark something different and maybe a bit more kind of creative and just create some positive energy through the community. I couldn't have put it better myself. That's really good advice. I think changing your mindset completely and actually you'll probably start enjoying it a bit more then if you're not just counting the followers. Yeah, true. Yeah. Just to answer the first part of that question on hashtags. Uh, we talked about this on the last episode, but you've got a maximum of 30 you can use in any given time. Um, it's really important that you have a couple of kind of signature ones to your profile. So something that you use every time. A prime example would be Joe Wicks, hashtag lean in 15. Uh, mini trees, I think is another one for his broccoli. Um, but, you know, some signature things that you can use every time. And then mixing them up, so using platforms like um, Hashtagify or Wordstream to sort of look into different search terms that your target audience will be using and mixing it up. Don't use the same ones every time because then you're at risk of shadow banning. Um, We touched on that again last episode, so that's in episode nine if you want to um, uh, look into that a little bit more. So I don't think this question touched on Twitter or LinkedIn, but just to say that there are Twitter and LinkedIn both have the hashtag functionality. Yeah. So LinkedIn was quite recent actually. I think it was only last year they introduced their hashtag functionality. Mm. But it's certainly worth using it and giving it a go. So people can you can follow hashtags and people do. So it's worth hashtagging what you're using. And it actually comes up with like suggested hashtags as well when you're posting on LinkedIn, which is quite helpful. Yeah. Um so definitely do use those. And again on Twitter, hashtag is where the hashtag was born, right? Yeah. So it's really important to to use it on Twitter, look at what's trending um, and, you know, think, well, actually, how is my content relevant to what's going on in the world and what people are talking about and get involved in conversations that way. That can also be really effective. So I try to use probably three hashtags every time I do a tweet. Yeah. Make yeah. sure they're relevant, of course, but, right. but I try to use probably three. And what kind of ones do you use? Because for Found and Flourish, I normally do at least one hashtag Found and Flourish. Yeah. And then perhaps female empowerment, female founder. 
women in business yeah i think particularly with twitter it's really effective for events so Mm. if you're putting on an event um make sure you have a hashtag for that event yeah um and if you're attending an event use the proper event hashtag to talk about it because i think people find that really effective so I know I certainly do. If you ever go to, say, um, like a conference and you follow the hashtag and you actually follow the conversation, you can engage with people who are at the conference kind of in real time whilst yeah. you're there. So I think that's really effective. And also um, location, I do find effective too. So I always use the hashtag like London events yeah. if we're running events in London. Yeah, and actually they get picked up quite well. And also don't forget actually the really good ones for PR. So things like journal request or media request, PR request. They're really good to look at because you can see often journalists will post on Twitter, I'm looking for this and use PR request or or whatnot. And that way you can find out, well, that's really interesting because one journalist may say, I'm looking for somebody to talk on this topic. You can talk on that topic. There may be a media opportunity for you there. So, yeah, I think Twitter is not to be underestimated in terms of PR and media. It's really effective and for events, as we said before. Okay, so Sam says, sometimes I struggle to come up with content. Now, again, I think this is also something that um, is probably quite a common issue or common problem or conundrum. And what's really important is if we go back to posting with purpose that we talked about in episode nine, you want to create value for your audience. You're going to lose them as valued um, followers if you start posting just for the sake of posting. So it's really important to um, consider if you haven't got anything to say or you're not quite sure what you want to post about, have a look at people who inspire you for inspiration, um, perhaps potential competitors, um, perhaps people that you just want to support within the community and repost their content. So whether you're on um, Facebook, you can obviously share people's posts and content. On Twitter, you can retweet it. And on Instagram, there's a great function where you can repost. So you can download an app called Repost where you have the option to copy a link on someone's post. You put it through the app and then it basically brings up the image and the caption, which you can then directly post onto your Instagram page. And this way it's it's basically user-generated content, which is a fantastic way of creating additional content for your profile and platform without having to come up with new stuff. And also it's supporting your community. So by sharing other people's content, you're kind of promoting them as well as saying, hey guys, look, this is great. This is This is interesting. Have a look at this. Yeah, and I guess we have to be really careful from like a copyright point of view. Absolutely. So making sure that you are attributing content to the right mm. people properly and you're not just stealing it and passing it off as your own because that's just, well... That's just nasty. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, it was funny what you were just saying, if you haven't got anything worthy to say, don't say anything. And it kind of sounded, reminded me of like being a kid. Yeah, and things yeah, like my mum nice. would say. Um <laughs> But it's true. I think, you know, whilst consistency is important, if you're just adding to the noise of everybody's lives, don't bother because it's really, if you're not creating value, don't take up people's time and don't disrespect their time because it's just, it's not fair. We all have so much information overload. It's... It's just narcissistic and egotistical to do that. And I know that's like my sound of extreme. Absolutely um, not. I think that's but, a really good but point. But respect your community and respect, and respect the their people. time. Exactly. Also, another thing just to mention is, you know, if your business is creating evergreen content, which it should be. So evergreen content is content that has a decent shelf life. So say it's a year or two years even. 
but not just on that day or in that moment or just for a week. So evergreen content is really great, particularly if say you run a blog. If you've got evergreen content, you can think, actually, how can I reuse and recycle the information that I already have? So rather than always thinking about starting from scratch and thinking I have to have a fresh idea and I have to create something brand new and reinvent the wheel, think, actually, I, I created this really great piece of content before. How can I just jazz it up a bit, refresh it, give it a new spin? and then use that because not only does it save you time, but it also just makes good sense to do it yeah. like that. Um, so always think in terms of evergreen content, whatever kind of content creation you're doing, whether it's you know video, podcast, whatever, it's great to do things, certain things that are timely, but some things should be timeless and that will really help your business in the long run if you can reuse stuff. Well, do you know what? I think on that note... We've given away all of our secrets. Yeah. <laughs> week anyway no I thought I think that's a fantastic place to end to be honest thank you so much for listening everybody thanks for listening guys and don't forget you can join in the conversation online by using the hashtag bossing it pod and tagging us at found flourish don't forget to rate and review us on apple podcasts and if you enjoy it tell your friends about it we'll see you next week <laughs> bye, bye.